0: As-salamu alaykum. You're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that supports Muslim women in tech through storytelling and sisterhood. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories, and the lessons they learned. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so today on Tech Sisters, we have Shabana Ahmed. Shabana is a senior UX designer and has spent over 10 years designing experiences and interfaces for international companies and startups. Her experience covers everything from finance to health tech, and she's presented and led UX workshops around the world. Shabana's passion for design and improving everyday experiences is so apparent in everything she does. She's also written an illustrated kids' book. Mashallah, we're so excited to welcome Shabana as our latest tech sister.
1: Hey, Shabana. Hi there, Grace. Thank you for
0: having me. Excellent. So how about we start off by just talking about how you first got into tech in the first place?
1: Great. I've, I've always loved technology from when I was small. Um, and I, I think I didn't really understand, uh, you know, the complexity of technology, but anything where, you know, you're bridging gaps or technology was making something new possible. I've, al- I've always been interested in that. Um, and I think... Um, my first job actually really sort of cemented that I I'm, I'm doing the right thing and I'm you know inshallah in the right place. So my first contractor was as a web designer for a role in a in a pharma company. Mm. And they hired me to design the UI and build up pages in a CMS system and I thrived in that environment. I learned about component designs really fast. Mm-hmm. And it was and it was a good um project and lots of good experiences so they gave me the challenge of producing the email campaigns to go with the website and I remember at that time I thought oh this is very strange because I didn't have any software and I also uh-huh. didn't code I, that's not my background so I learned how to do very basic coding from the help of <laughs> Google and YouTube and some good people at the company and I just fell in love with designing and technology and I, I never looked back. Handler, uh, that's really really cool.
0: It's really interesting hearing that you you came through it through design first and technology is a, as a second point of entry in mashallah and uh, yeah I think email templates are a very different sort of thing than web pages when you're used to doing one thing
1: especially with all the different browser testing you know you're going in blind and you're design you're writing something in notepad and you're and you're thinking this feels good and then when we were doing the testing in the different browsers I remember always thinking oh my goodness everything looks horrible Mm. (laughs) big (laughs) challenges (laughs) yeah definitely
0: um so I think that kind of goes into another thing that I know that you're really passionate about is doing testing before you ship and really making sure that things work across different browsers and different accessibility levels. Do you want to talk some more about why that's important or, or how you, know, you go about doing that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think from a, just sort of like a, a UX hat perspective mm. is that people are different, devices vary, technology is different. We, we cannot say that there is a, a gold standard of, of good experience because all those things I've mentioned, they're changing all the time. They're always evolving. And our goal is to solve users for problems. But it's also, if you take a holistic approach, we're trying to make things better. We're trying to make your life easier. With that in mind, we have to cater to the different device sizes, um, um, OS, so different um, systems that people are accessing, and also how they're accessing digital experiences in their in their normal life testing really really matters so so yeah I I, I absolutely agree it's something to be cognizant of and if you're passionate about it it helps and also we sometimes have an assumption and I think this is very common we have an assumption that everybody is on a particular level of OS or Mm -hmm. everyone is an iPhone or an Android user and they're probably using this type of device that's fantastic because we live in the west what about what about the rest of the world? What about in third world countries where actually people are very technically, very savvy, mm. and, and and technology is a huge part of their lives, but they perhaps they don't have the economy to be using the kind of devices that we are designing and testing for in maybe the UK or the US. Again, that's that's a question of testing, and and it makes you think about sort of browser uh, browser versions and of course device types.
0: Yeah. MashaAllah. One of the things that really jumped out at me when I was looking over your, your history was, MashaAllah, you've worked on so many interesting projects. Um, and I've noticed that there is sort kind of a trend where you won't stay at one place for too long. And I wanted to ask, well, I guess, was that intentional? And maybe what were some of the advantages that you noticed from changing jobs and projects very frequently?
1: that's a good great question grace it (laughs) makes me laugh when i hear about it like that but you know yes you're right so (laughs) i think um with um with time spent at companies and organizations i never look at the time as the value i always look back or i'm looking at myself in that given space and i think so you know, what am I doing and how am I contributing and, and is this good for me and am I doing something good for other people? So I tend to see my time in companies as project-led. So as an example, I might, I might be hired to be on a project and I know that project is for, I don't know, a year to maybe two years and we're going to deliver a SaaS um, ecosystem maybe and perhaps we're going to, the roadmap will take us through to um, different parts of the world and the user base will be in the hundreds and thousands, and we're solving these types of complex problems. I won't look at that as time per se, but I will look at that as project and delivery. When these things come to fruition, and inshallah, if we work really hard, and we successfully ship and we deliver, and it's, and it's been good, I might be then put onto different projects, or you know, my path might change. And if I think, right... Um, the, th- the next thing that's coming up will not match the kind of um, the opportunity, the education and the growth as this one. Then I might think to myself, unless there's anything else that will, then I will move on. The other thing is there are actually lots of benefits. And I think it's mm, I think it's common of millennials to want to move around because we get exposure to different types of projects, different industries and of course, different people as a woman I have personally found that I can navigate a better salary I it has kindly helped me uh, in terms of promotion that it's been kind to me it hasn't been negative for me so far inshallah and um, I think also is to see more of the world and when I say world I'm not talking about traveling but design you know grace is such a vast landscape you it's You cannot stay in one place and really be educated and experience things and also fail and overcome, learn things. If you're in one place for a very long time, that's just my personal opinion. I have found that every time I've moved to a different agency or a a, a client side or an organization, you know, that landscape, I'm like, wow, like I'm traveling again and I am learning and I'm seeing different things. And that's come with the change. I love that so much. Subhanallah. I love always challenging
0: yourself and always measuring what, if what you're doing is matching up with those values that you have, if you're having that opportunity and education and growth, like you said, I really like the idea of always being moving, uh, but moving towards that purpose of being alignment mm-hmm. with yourself and what you want to do.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think also one of the things that I try to do for myself is to be brave so I think growth is really important it it, regardless of sort of what you're doing in life whether you're actually whether you are a parent or you are working but growth in life is it really matters accepting change is scary but it teaches you to be brave and every time I've done this I have always usually thought to myself like oh my goodness I'm starting this new thing and I don't know about this or I'm feeling nervous or this part is scary but in the end like no one um, you know no one died so to speak like you you, you probably had some kind of like um, difficult moments but it will force you to grow educate yourself go and be better strive for more and that that's great that makes me feel like you know inshallah I'm moving forward with my life and I am, I am doing something good
0: yes I, I do like how we're bringing in that difficulty that comes with growth I think in I think that mm. there's, I think it's even in the Quran that there's a metaphor of a seed having to crack before it grows. Mm-hmm. There has to be some moment where you, there is some difficulty that you're pushing through to allow you to grow. And if you're in a situation yeah, where it's, it's easy, you know, you don't, you stay, you stagnant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also another thing someone told me years ago, I think I read this actually online, which is when growth hurts that's when you know it's working. And I just thought, wow, many times in my life, I've played very safe in professional and personal because that's, um, that's normal, that's, that's normalized. And you know, as we get older, and certainly when you're an adult, you kind of, you, you that child inside that was so creative and so brave is gone. And that's why we want to be safe. And I just thought, oh gosh, that resonates so much. So when growth hurts, hang in, guess what? It's about to get better. It's easy to say, but it's it's you know I no, do believe it's true.
0: and you can really look you can see it when you're looking back you know the next year five years later and you realize oh yes <laughs> because I went through that these opportunities <laughs> happened <laughs> yeah absolutely okay but the next question I think really ties in is what happens when that doesn't work out immediately or you're in a really tough situation and it's you know you're really struggling um, have you experienced that and what did you do to resolve that and keep going?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think last year for me was so pivotal. So, the former agency, I was put on furlough. And then, unfortunately, we got to a situation with our clients where they made some of the staff redundant. And I was out of work for over six months. And at first, I was, uh, it did hit me because I've never been unemployed unless it's been my choice. So this is this is different, and I just thought, oh gosh. But once I got past that, I um I tried to use that time as a gift, and I and I really tried to reset myself as much as possible. I you know, I I knew, you know, actually Allah's put the world in quite strange circumstances, uncertain circumstances. Historically, we've not had something like this for a very long time. So I tried to make the best of, of what I could do and what was in my control. So Honestly, Grace, I cycled a lot, almost every day. I went and spent time in nature. I also learned to be comfortable with being lost. So I do get frightened if I can't navigate. I can't read maps either. I'm really terrible at that. So yeah, I I got lost more than a few times. But, you know, Alhamdulillah, like you always come home. and, And it's about having that sense in something. I think it's a tawakul, like, you have to believe in there are, there are good things and good things will happen for you. So I kind of also said that to myself. I also made a, a, a switch in my own life, which was pre-pandemic, my routine was work. And then I was fitting in my self and parts of my dean around it. During this time, there's lockdown and I don't have a job. I, did my best to make my salah my my schedule so i flipped it and i actually used salah to be a compass in my day that helped me to actually curb things like depression um, the feeling of that um, being useless or not or not being or not having um, a purpose like it helped me curb that and i also i did loads of mentoring actually grace um, voluntary work so to the wider community i Gave back in design. I joined um, projects for short sprints, and and it was all voluntary. So maybe helping them just to get over the line with with UX that is kind of like beta worthy. Um, mentoring gave me an opportunity to speak to so many younger women that are interested in a design career or specifically UX or, or user research. Just asking for advice and and you know any sort of guidance and helps. So I was that was amazing i was really happy to do that and the last part of that is i just watched a lot of korean dramas okay yeah (laughs) a lot you know i I know about two or three words grace you know in korean so i'm quite impressed (laughs) yeah basically an expert then (laughs) (laughs) thank you that's how i feel
0: (laughs) mashallah that's great i really like how there is that parallel that you had in, in getting lost, literally lost in nature. And you also said that the salah was your compass. And uh, I think that's just really beautiful, mashallah. So we're we're really at this point where you're making this pivotal change, pivotal growth growth. Mm-hmm. You're shedding all of these things that can distract us and like you said, tawakul, you're having total faith in Allah that you know, that He's gonna see you through, that this is a purpose for you and it's going to lead you to better things and lead you closer to him inshallah
1: mm, alhamdulillah uh, something i also read that that was so pivotal because it, it's very easy to to fall into bad patterns um mm. mentally when you're not in your sort of normal routine or when things change and i read that when you wake up and you pray Fajr. for me pre-pandemic this was just because it's part of my salah and Mm -hmm. and it's it's it starts early and and you pray and you go on and and you pray for a good day well also the one who pray wakes up for this um, salah and prays has already won one in the day Mm -hmm. so when I came to that later when I was feeling um, a bit lost and I you know I was starting to feel weak um, mentally I thought you know how how can you be how can you be so sad that you don't have a job or like you're finding it hard to get a job when you have already won the day because yeah. you pray, Fajr, and you wake up for it and you pray it on time, like you, you've already won. And like, it's just the small ways where, you know, Allah loves us so much and helps us feel so good that, yeah, that I think that, you know, that re again, that goes back to the compass and that carried me through that time really, really well.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful, subhanAllah. Hmm. I think I think in some degrees that's really the true beauty of going through a difficult time, through going through trials. Because mm-hmm. you know, we you know, it says in the Quran that we're gonna be tested through our livelihoods and our families, and these things are so difficult, but the whole purpose of it is to come closer to Allah and whoever can remember to say in um, you know, the to Allah we, we we belong and we're going to return to Him. Those people are going to have rewards beyond rewards, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite verses. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's always bookmarked. That. But subhanallah, it's um, yeah. There, there's there's this beauty and tranquility that we get in the heart when we go through this trial and when we remember to turn to Allah and we just mm-hmm. like. I don't know what's going on, Allah, but I'm putting it in your hands and I have complete trust that you're going to see me through and that this is going to be better for me, inshallah.
1: Absolutely. And you know, you've just reminded me as well. So we are we are encouraged as as Muslims to return to nature. Mm-hmm. So every time we look at the skies, we're in landscapes, if we're lucky enough to be near the water, mountains, forestry, greenery, anywhere surely we will look at the beauty and and remember allah so mm. this remembrance and that is also part of cycling so like i i love bikes anyway and i i love cycling but also leaving home so you, you're leaving the bricks and the stone you're leaving residential life if you can go into greenery or you know a bike route you're closer to what you're not for me what my normal life isn't and wasn't and absolutely like um I put all my fears, I just put them out when I go cycling and and that chance to reflect in nature, Mm -hmm. 100%. I think, oh, look, you know, just look at the creation and look how much Allah has made for us and how extraordinary. So if Allah can do all of this, just imagine what Allah does for us anyway. And like, I just said to myself, like, you are not allowed to see this time where you are um, made redundant and you don't have a job and you feel aimless. You're not allowed to feel those things forever because we're we're best we're very lucky alhamdulillah we are so blessed aren't we yeah alhamdulillah alhamdulillah
0: it's funny when you were saying that uh during the lockdown i also like to go out into the woods um i'm not a cycler but i like to walk a lot and uh i would just go out into the woods and i would let the kids just run off way ahead and just <laughs> <That's> so <brave. laughs> in, enjoy some silence and listen <laughs> to the birds <laughs> But I was even thinking like my eyes would be so tired from looking at a screen all day and then I'd be outside in nature and just looking at the the color of the Mm, leaves mm, like such a basic thing just that shade of green it feels so soothing.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Alhamdulillah. Hmm. We got uh, really deep there Uh, so let's take it back to UX for a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so what sort of mindset do you need to get in to make all these really beautiful user experiences that you do what's your process
1: so I've always tried to solve problems through storytelling Mm. and here's a trick if you can't describe what the problem is in a few sentences or clearly then there isn't a problem Love that. So storytelling is is my first sort of go-to and I actually do this, uh, so I illustrate a lot and if I can make something better for someone it will start with sketching and I will start to look at the life around them, their sort of um, needs and, and unmet needs really important um, and like just coming, stepping away from sort of before I go into a project I've got two mantras and One of them, so when I was 17, Grace, I went to Reading Art College to study art foundation. And in the Mm -hmm. library, I found a book and this designer has become my favorite designer, Paul Rand. And he said that good design is good will. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I strangely felt like I came home. Everything (laughs) about that mantra makes sense. And I, I apply it to every project. Every time I'm on a new team, new project, I repeat to myself, good design is goodwill and that makes me want to create better solutions and do things that benefit people mm-hmm. and the other side of it is is like as I've grown older in my career I got to a point where I thought am I doing so sometimes Grace like you you, you know I might get offers and they are interesting opportunities and there are good challenges, but for example, it might be within gambling. And then immediately I'm like, no, no thanks. Yeah. So as I got older, <clears throat> I try to apply Hassan because it really matters what we do in our lives. And even as a UX designer, I've got social responsibility. So I don't take my job as like, a, uh, you know, whatever. Like I, yes, I'm passionate about it, but I'm very mindful of what I do as well, because, uh, you know, wanting to strive for for better.
0: Hmm. Subhanallah. I love that you have that purpose in a UX. I love that you have the, the focus not just on yourself and trying to get to the next project, but on how you're going to be benefit the world, benefit mm-hmm. the people who are going to be using this, not just making it easier for them, but really bringing a benefit to their lives. And I, it's really interesting hearing that that comes through that mantra and that foundational history and design. Mashallah.
1: Yeah, I think, um, have you heard of design for waste? No. So there's also a principle of, so let's face it, there are many of us in the world. There's a, there is a lot of UX designers, experienced designers, product designers, UI designers, so on and so forth. And there is also a lot of technology and digital experiences, apps, websites, repos that are out there in the, in the ether and uh, when you have so much overkill design sometimes can lose its meaning and can lose its simplicity and purpose so then you get this kind of wealth of like design waste Mm. which is just um, if you can imagine it's just kind of like a truckload of trash but it's out there and it's being sold or it's being offered as a service or a product Um, all of that stuff I'm I am also kind of mindful of. So in my, if I'm in a project, I always really question things so much. So, you know, we're talking about, for example, the service. Well, Why does it matter? How do we know people need it? Let's research it. Let's do something very lean. Let's get this idea. Let's prototype and see what the demand is. Or if there's a feature. So for example, it may be that the the PO or, or you know, VP say we want some kind of feature where, somebody can access financial data and then they can do this and they can talk to a chatbot. Okay. Sounds fantastic. So you've solutionized, but I don't want to design for design waste because VP think it's cool or VP think it will stand out with competitors or the VP think that it will lead to IPO. To me, if you're just doing things without really thinking or being cognizant, this, this contributes to design waste. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. So it's not just, uh, physical waste, but which it could be. But it's also just a waste of of um, of intentions, a waste of time on the user if it's not really giving them any benefit.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, because we, you know, actually, like this is the times that we're living in, and it just contrib- contributes to to noise, the excess noise mm. that we created that we don't need. So. All designers again i think it does come back to ihsan like you have social responsibility really think about what you're doing do it with excellence make it matter
0: ah mashallah Uh, i should look at my uh, think about putting ihsan in in my work it's something that is uh i don't know it's you know you always strive for excellence in the deen Mm -hmm. but it feels kind of funny to take it into like coding or something code with ihsan but absolutely we should be doing that <laughs> yeah.
1: As, yeah I was gonna say like I think you probably already do that anyway so you're probably really conscious of the code that you write does mm-hmm. it make sense does it work are there bugs you know is this healthy enough to to um to deploy is it good enough and you know even at that sort of level yes you are applying your because what you're writing maybe like me uh, hundreds and thousands of other people we'll launch it in a browser and we'll look at it and yeah. we'll input our data. And like, if you made it better for us, Grace, yeah, that's, that, that is your sound. That's intention, right?
0: Absolutely. That is, subhanAllah. And that makes it, it feels so much better when you're looking at your work as a way of having excellence, as a way of bringing benefit, instead of just, you know, you know clacking away on the keyboard to get mm. a paycheck at the end of the month.
1: 100%. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: SubhanAllah.
0: Okay, Shabana, I'm having so much fun talking to you.
1: Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> we always do. We always have always, good conversations. We do, we do, <laughs> Um Okay,
0: so how about let's talk about something that you're most proud of. It can be in life or a project that you've worked on, something that you really, really feel joyful talking about it.
1: Yeah, I think two things. The first thing that comes to mind is, that a few years ago, I saved up and, and it took me a few years to save up to take my parents and myself. We went to Hodge oh. in 2018. I'm and sure. the drive for that first was my mom. So it was her dream. But she had come to the realization that it would not come to fruition in, in her life. It, she just couldn't see a way that it would happen. Hmm. and uh, for me in the background like that was enough motivation for to save up I did not know when it was when it would happen or when it would be achievable and also it might sound silly but I didn't know like what is the price of going on Hajj, like if you live in the UK well it is quite expensive it's a lot so, yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> it's a
0: lot more than going on holiday
1: for sure for sure <laughs> so to take mum take dad and then myself um, that yeah I'm really proud of that because I just didn't think that I would be the person to be able to do that for them or that even I would go Mm. I was also going through so much um, difficulty and pain in my own life so I remember getting on the plane you know we took a picture to be sent and that picture will go to Saudi Arabia and it becomes part of your idea when you're there as a tour. Mm. And even in that picture, when I look sometimes I look back at it and I just think, gosh, you look you look incredibly sad and, and broken. So we went and Hajj changed my life. Um, mm. absolutely changed my heart, my life, my everything. You know, it saved me. So I'm really proud of that because. I, I worked hard for that. I, w- I, I couldn't piece it together that my intentions and how and what's going to happen. But, you know, you, like a seed was planted and, and you started somewhere, uh, you know, a few years ago. And then I can look back and just, and I can just say, you know, alhamdulillah, like I had that experience. So I'll always be proud of that if, if, uh, if it's okay to say so, yeah. Um, and the other thing that's kind of not necessarily personal related is, i i I published a children's book so i wrote a few story years ago grace actually and it's because so my sister is a teacher and sometimes she'll talk to me about what's going on in the british education system you know the kind of problems that children are facing and like years and years ago she was telling me how the schools in britain are becoming flooded with, with migrant children and they are either coming to england for a better life they are fleeing persecution and war when they come to Britain and they go into schools, parents and teachers, A, think they're so small, just get them into schools, they'll be fine. Yeah. But actually they're not. And the teachers, they're doing such a good job, but they're not equipped to, to to support and educate children that come from war, let alone children that come from a background where English is not the first language. So, um, you know, a lot of these children get lost in the system. I thought about that and I just thought, okay, we know that children are the future. Um, we know that we have to do things that is going to be better for them, whether in, t- in terms of climate or in terms of just even mental health. So I wrote a story and the story is like, um, it just pivots around, you have to start with self-belief. You have to, got to be okay with who you are, how you are made, and then go one step further, like love yourself first, um, and then good things will happen for you. But be be okay, accept who you are. And if you're different to everyone else in the room or that bus or, or the workplace, that, Alhamdulillah, that's great. That's, don't ever think it's a bad thing. That, that's a wonderful thing. So it's about self-empowerment just, you know, in a nutshell. But I, I wrote the story-ish in my mind, but I illustrated it first because that's the secret job I've always wanted. <laughs> And I was like, right, got got most of the, I, I think I had about 60% of the illustration work done. done. Um, and then going to publishing companies was really hard, Grace, because yeah. I got really lovely messages, but I got rejections. I got so many rejections. And then I think, like, two years later, um, yeah, Alhamdulillah, I, you know, managed to get it published. And sometimes, like, I look at it, and I'm like, no way did you get that published. It just makes me laugh. I just, I can't believe that I got to do it. But yeah, it makes me happy. Oh,
0: does your sister show it to her children in, in class?
1: Yes, yes. Good. Actually, they invited me to come into school, but then with the pandemic and stuff, yeah, um, yeah. it just never it never came to. But I I would love to. And I just think if any child reads reads this and takes away any message about themselves, which is you're already wonderful. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I'll be happy. That's that's my that's me made.
0: <laughs> but I love I love that Hodge story. Um, how did uh, I just wonder how your parents did you surprise them like oh here's the hodge tickets mashallah.
1: yeah do you know um I, I didn't I, I wish I could but I didn't have the guts because hmm. it was going to be a lot of money and I had to be certain that oh, sure mom and dad also they want to go I mean it's like yeah like of course you want to go but um and it was also like I yeah, awkward yeah yeah exactly could you imagine <laughs> <laughs> no, busy washing my hair. Then that's it. <laughs> um, so I, I told them. I, I, I just said, you know, I sat down with them and I said, um, I've made this neoth and I've done this and and I've got the money and we're, and we're going to go. Um, at first, uh, and you know, my mum and dad were really emotional. I think my mum cried and she said, we we can't go. And I said, why, mum? No. And she goes, she said because it's too much money. And that's so typical of parents (laughs) Um, and I said to my mom I said you know what mom like we spend money on homes and homes is like a huge thing in my culture like having a a, even you know a a big home or even a beautiful home and furniture and then of course there's cars and the clothes that we wear it doesn't mean you're bad and like it's very human to do that but I said you know mom like we have spent and lost a lot of money but we should never think twice if we have the opportunity why would we think twice she just felt guilty because I'm her child and, and I think parents don't think about you know they don't expect it that way but I was like you know let's be happy this is um this is a good thing to do it's the right thing to do and we were all just totes emotion grace and then we were like let's book it <laughs> <laughs> and when the money left my account I was like whoa, whoa. I've got no money left now that's
0: funny. it's an end to the celebrations pretty quickly when you can't buy
1: anything <laughs> basically i was like hmm, eating
0: bread and baked beans now yeah that's it that's no it. That's regrets <laughs> oh, but no that's so beautiful i think that's you know our children are such a barakah for us and mm. to be able to do this for your parents is extremely beautiful mashallah and you. You know, i haven't been on hajj but i we hear stories coming back all the time of, of people who are you know really taking care of their parents, even caring their elderly parents so that they can participate in the Hajj. And it's uh, such an honor that you're able to do that for your own parents, mashallah.
1: Oh, thank you. And inshallah, your time is, is written and your time will come. Yeah, inshallah. And
0: for everyone else listening, inshallah, we could all go on Hajj many times. Ameen, inshallah. yeah. I mean, oh, subhanAllah. So in all of this, in your career, what's one thing that you regret where you sort of wish that you did differently
1: Mm. career has been um difficult it's always been difficult because i don't look like when i was coming up in design you know i don't look like a white male so it's it's always been tough go figure (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so i've always um you know experiences like good experiences but also bad experiences and yeah they make you stronger and wiser so i try to see the good in them but i think one thing that i just wish that i had confidence to treat it differently Mm. would be i was a lead uh, designer in a in an agency and an art director come in and that person just just from kind of like week one believe me um believe me a fair amount but always in isolation or in secrecy lots of gaslighting and yeah, if I could go back and speak to myself, I would say, be strong, stand up for yourself, but also don't let bullies get away with behavior because that's how it becomes normalized. Um, and, and just to have confidence, like have some strength within. But clearly I was lacking a lot of confidence probably in my, in my occupation. But I will say one thing. So today, how I feel and, and where I am in my journey I know what bad behavior looks like I know what bullying I, I know how it presents I'm also quite protective of my team I will not I will not accept any kind of low or shady behavior for anyone in my team I'll stand up for them and I'm better at standing up for myself so that's what I've taken away from that I guess. So Pana,
0: that's what what we were talking about before how a painful experience will lead to growth and lead to benefits for others
1: mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you went
0: through that you're able to recognize it and see the signs and protect the people around you now yeah your
1: team. i have to say it took me a while grace so you yeah. know i came out of that agency feeling quite um humiliated and quite bad yeah. and what i'm saying today like it's taken me years to come to a position of i actually feel quite strong just in myself as a human being Alhamdulillah, but you know that took me. A year. That, that's a lot of work, right? So, of um, that's the positive that I would, I guess, take away from it.
0: Mm. Alhamdulillah. Yes, I suppose you know when when we are going through that transition or learning those hard lessons, it's it does take lots of work to get through that. Lots of introspection, mm. um, and there's a lot of like growth that goes around outside of that. So to get to that level of confidence and the strength that you're at now, you probably went through other things to help build your confidence up until you're at a point where you're able to look back on that experience and like, Hmm, so this happened mm. and I can now evaluate it in this different light.
1: Yeah. Really nicely. Like you articulated that really nicely. Yeah. I think it is a culmination.
0: Hmm. Alhamdulillah. Okay. The last question that I have for you today What is something or someone in your whole journey that you're most grateful for?
1: Oh, goodness. You know, like, I think grateful to so many wonderful people that have helped to shape my design career because Mm -hmm. people share wisdom and they share pieces of themselves with you that I've grown from. I think um, one thing that I always, I often remember is, in my first UX role where the, my specifically the title was use, I was a user experience and interaction designer at a software company. So I was a little bit nervous because I'd never had that specific title. I felt a lot of responsibility and I was given two, I'd say, pretty heavyweight projects. I remember one day the head of UX, um, she sat all of us down and she said to all of us, imagine already, so imagine that you are a world class design team and when she said it the way she looked at us she looked at us as if she's looking at a world-class design team and I just remember thinking oh my goodness um wow like she's looking at us in a way I couldn't imagine myself being and I'm not but the power of kind of um positive affirmation like it's huge this it's important especially if you don't feel um good enough for the job or you know everyone has has their pockets of doubt um but that kind of mindset um i i try to share that with other designers so and another thing that i think couples with that is uh, one of my favorite designers um diane von Furstenberg. she mm-hmm. says that every girl's best friend should be herself first all these things kind of come together and it's about being good to yourself. So, yeah, I, I think that had a, it's, it's such a small thing, isn't it, Grace? Like, imagine you are a world-class design team, but that's... Oh, it's like, like you can have the gold medal around your neck. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> um, it's the mentality though, because it yeah. means a lot to say that if your design is world-class or if it has gravitas on a global level, that's really huge. It means you're really mindful of your work, you're conscious, you're you're doing good things and you're creating solutions that that work. Like th- there is no bigger trip for a UX designer than users using your product because it works well. That's yeah. that's it. That's fantastic. So <laughs> um so yeah, like that that mantra was, you know, um significant. Yeah. It's interesting because that goes right back to the isan
0: again. You mm. think of yourself as a world-class designer and you're doing it with excellence, you're doing it with intentionality, you're doing it with asan. Mm. Uh, it goes hand in hand.
1: Yeah, it's, it's purpose really, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Mashallah, what a good theme
0: because that's what we started off with is you uh, focusing on your purpose and aligning with your values and this is how you do great work. This is how you take care of yourself is really focusing on the things that fill you up and are aligned to your purpose, aligned to your values that you feel excited and expansive about Mm -hmm, and doing it with a son and (laughs) excellence.
1: Yeah, inshallah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Alhamdulillah. Shabana, is there anything else that you would like to add? Any last parting thoughts?
1: If you are interested in design, if you are pursuing technology, don't stop because it has to come from the heart. Yes, you have to be good at things and you have to, there's a degree of talent and applying yourself. But really, honestly, it comes from the heart. So you don't need anyone's permission to get involved. Mm -hmm. If you have that intention, I say go for it.
0: I hope you like that story as much as I did. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to it. Please consider following us and leaving a review if you like this episode. That really helps us a lot. And if you're a Muslim woman in tech, please go ahead and join our community. It's free. It's fun. It's supportive. It's a great time. That's all for me. Assalamualaikum.